Hi, my name is Sarah Johnson and I am IOF's Technical Advisor for Youth Agency and Engagement. I live in the United States outside of Washington, D.C., and have worked in a variety of roles at IOF since joining in 2017. I am a proud member of IOF's Young Professionals Group, and today am privileged to host the inaugural episode of their Emerging Leaders podcast. Tune in to hear my conversation with one of IOF's seasoned leaders and a person for whom I have much respect, Jorge Barragan. Hi, my name is Jorge Barragan and I serve as Regional Director for Latin America and the Caribbean. I am based in Mexico City and joined IYF nine years ago this September. I feel lucky to work with and for young people because I firmly believe that it is the best opportunity to take action in the present to influence a better future. Hi, Jorge. We are thrilled to have you as our first special guest in the premiere episode of Emerging Leaders a podcast where young leaders at IOIF get the opportunity to engage with experienced leaders, to learn from them and exchange ideas about all sorts of things related to our work in both youth development and our advancement as professionals. In this inaugural episode, we have much to celebrate, including your recent promotion to Executive Vice President of Programs and also International Youth Day, which this year is focused on the theme of intergenerational solidarity and creating a world for all ages. As you might expect in our day today at IYF, I think a lot about youth adult partnerships and how to bring people together in meaningful ways. And this is something that I know you're really good at from both personal experience and through observation. So I'm really excited to talk about it with you today and hopefully connect some of the discussion with your career and how you are thinking about our work at IYF. So let's start with the theme for this year's International Youth Day, which the UN selected because their recent global report on ageism identified age-related barriers as a major obstacle to progressing towards the sustainable development goals. Jorge, your experience working with and for young people spans many years and sectors. You have worked in public, private, and nonprofit spaces, and on issues related to education, employment, health, and more. What are some of the different ways that you have seen young people be marginalized or excluded throughout your career? I see two important aspects in this regard. First, in youth-serving organizations, certain limitations end up promoting marginalization or exclusion. Due to high transaction costs, youth-serving organizations operate in isolation from each other and from other social actors. Since there are no shared agendas or aligned incentives for collaboration, even with legitimate intentions and innovative ways of intervention, their scale of action and their level of transformation is limited, so collective action is constrained. Second, there are vested interests in organizations, especially in educational institutions where decision makers are adults who often serve their interests rather than those of the youth. Adults are systematically deciding budgets, governing reform mechanisms, and enforcing working plans. Also, as the UN report has argued, adults are frequently prejudiced about the alleged irresponsibility and recklessness of young people, and this stereotype impact the way decisions that affect youth are exercised. I've been seeing this pattern throughout my entire career, and these are the challenges that I've been addressing in my different jobs, trying to pursue innovative solutions. I have two examples at hand that I can share with you. At one point, working for the Mexican government, 
I was tasked with representing a delegation to negotiate new conditions for the Mexico-Canada Seasonal Agricultural Worker Program. Surprisingly, back in 2010, a sizable proportion of new entrants to the program were under the age of 30. Through careful preparation with tons of data of the economic benefit and using data from Canadian services and census, I was able to identify how the program benefited both countries, but still there was a pending agenda to address decent wages due to the differential in hourly pay between Mexicans and locals. I addressed a complex problem which required a binational negotiation using sources of information that were not very debatable because they were databases of the counterpart. This made it possible to achieve better working conditions for over 32,000 workers who travel internationally every year. The program is still in force and has been inspiring because it shows that temporarily legal migration is possible and all within the framework of respect of workers' rights. Another example from my work at IYF, I've been able to apply knowledge of labor market information systems at a national level and leverage it to craft a skills development strategy that have a true demand-driven design. Through exploiting complex sets of information that are not commonly used for these purposes, such as job postings, foreign investment, and international trade records, we have been able to create business intelligence that allow us to make precise investments so that young people have quality training and highly marketable skills in their labor markets. I've dedicated my time at the foundation to what we call the Bridging the Gap approach, professionalizing it, testing it in multiple countries. And for that, we have mobilized a community of funders to invest between 20 to $30 million using this approach. This has been successfully applied in sectors such as logistics, IT, hospitality, clean energy, and advanced manufacture, among others. And it has been tested in multiple contexts, not only in large development sites, but places that aspire to grow a larger role in a supply chain. This bridging the gap approach, by the way, addresses the issue of age discrimination to some extent, since it builds skills in young people that are valuable in the adult working world. Thanks for sharing that. My next question for you, the International Youth Day theme this year also includes the phrase intergenerational solidarity, which feels pretty big and important. What does that phrase mean to you? And what do you think it requires from both sides or parties? For me, it is very clear that we need a commitment to the next generations. And there is nothing more forceful than the environmental crisis to demonstrate it. Intergenerational solidarity has to do with understanding ourselves as inhabitants of the same world and knowing that small actions have a high impact on other people globally, but also temporarily. Never as now, with the advent of internet and digitalization, has human interrelation as a planetary level been so clear. However, I believe that adults are the ones who need to change the most because of the simple fact that they make decisions and direct resources today. Even with the increase in life expectancy, our time in the world is short and baby boomers and Generation X like me need to be aware we may not own the fruit of our actions, but that does not undermine their impact. We cannot continue to operate with short-term lens. But on the other hand, I think we need informed, questioning young people who have the possibility of transforming their environment through their active participation in collective processes. 
Clearly, young people should have a deep respect for adults and willingness to integrate, including mutual learning processes. In the relationship with young people and adults, there is much that can nurture each other. That's really great, Jorge. Thanks for sharing that. So moving on, I'm talking to you today as someone who still identifies as a young professional at IYF, and you have just been promoted to executive vice president. When I think about age-related barriers in my career, it reminds me of an interesting paradox that I've experienced. There have been times where I feel like I don't know what I'm doing, I lack important skills, and I'm behind in my career. But there have also been times where I feel like I totally do know what I'm doing. I'm overqualified for a role or certain tasks, and I'm stuck or stunted because of external factors outside of my control. So thinking back on your own trajectory, what advice do you have for younger professionals who are dealing with both internal and external barriers to their development and advancement? And how might we take advantage of, you know, the available opportunities while also navigating different types of professional terrains that we might find ourselves in. In 25 years of changing employers and sectors, I've fallen in love with most of my jobs and I have been able to feel a lot of passion and sense of reward. Sometimes I did not have the best supervisor or the most interesting project. But at the same time, I found tools to build myself as a protagonist, reliable, responsive, and informed. And when those unexpected opportunities came, I was at the right time with the right mindset and background to make a bold proposal. Don't get me wrong, I wasn't always given leeway to implement what I wanted, but making the most of the opportunities I did have gave a common thread to my career. I learned to question the status quo by working from within, inspiring my work with evidence and passion. And at the same time, I have been patient. I built myself in 25 years and will continue in 15 more. It is a life process. You build it based on the professional decisions you take every day. In moments of doubt, I had access to mentors who gave me perspective, who showed me that sometimes it does not have to do with how much you know, but how you are able to apply it in the ability to analyze complex problems and to be able to look at them from another perspective. And if you move up in the organization, the complexity of the problems you solve also grows, but you build up the confidence to be able to solve more and better. Another exercise I invite young people to do is benchmarking in the market. Evaluate objectively how you rank against other people in the same situation in the labor field. And if you want an open position, you have to invest the necessary time to be prepared. Even if you were not selected, it is important to receive feedback about the rejection. All this is part of a permanent process, which includes the effort for continuous training to always nurture yourself. It also seems relevant to me to evaluate the people you surround yourself with, because those people are the ones who can sometimes give you the best advice to grow professionally or to solve problems, especially when they belong to other fields of work different from yours. Thank you so much, Jorge. And well, I have to say our time is about up today. I've really, really enjoyed this conversation and getting to know you better. Last thing, any final words of advice that you might give for how people from different generations can come together to affect change, whether that is in their workplace or their community? 
it is fundamental to remain an eternal learner, no matter how far you advance in an organization. I hear when you say that sometimes you think you know everything you need to know and you're overqualified and sometimes you doubt that you are in the right place. It happens to all of us. That's why it's important to remain open to learning. To do that, you need to receive feedback systematically. We're not used to asking for it and we're not prepared to receive it, but it is key to our professional growth. And precisely on the subject of ageism, boundaries and prejudice are broken down when we establish meaningful and deep conversations where we can understand each other. It's through these conversations that both adults and young people can feedback one another from the place and time where they are. Adult leaders lack a lot of listening to fresh ideas and new ways of relating. Also, it does young people a lot of good to understand the structure, hierarchies, and procedures that precede them, and the experience can be very helpful in terms of mentoring. As Walt Whitman said, be curious, not judgmental. Thank you so much, Jorge. It has been such a treat to chat with you today, and I could not agree more. These types of opportunities and conversations are key to breaking down generational barriers, and they're exactly the type of thing that lay the foundation for intergenerational solidarity. I know the experiences and advice you shared today will be useful for others as they have been for me. And to all our listeners, thanks for joining and keep your eyes and ears open for the next episode of the Emerging Leaders Podcast. <laughs>